opinions expressed on ACV Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and right after the show, you can catch it on any podcast catcher that you listen to. As always, I'm here with my cohort, my uh, friend in crime and other things. Hey, Byron, how's it going? <laughs> Jet lagged. Oh, oh, wait, are, are we on the air? Uh, yeah, I, I'm uh, fresh from... Uh... Being in New York City and uh, just uh, taking this last day of our glorious weekend to relax and, and, and do a Sunday edition and do the fun zone and clean the house and do some laundry. It's so relaxing. <laughs> my old stomping grounds. How many slices of pizza did you have over the week? <laughs> oh, my God. So I, I got to ask you a question, age old question. Uh, which is better, Joe's or Ray's? Ray's. Ah, yeah. Ray's. <laughs> love it yeah so what was the highlight for you uh probably going to broadway twice um we saw (laughs) we saw phantom of the opera on monday and then we saw dear evan hansen on wednesday and then i you know my 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 friend is saying no this does not count this is not a third broadway show but i'm i'm like fighting them on this look it wasn't on broadway and it wasn't the original cast but you know what we saw rent okay i'm saying that we saw rent now, we didn't see uh, Rent performed by anyone who is, like, official or anything. They didn't even sing. They just danced. But it was a Rent drag brunch. But I'm saying that that counts. So that counts, <laughs> and that's awesome. And, and good thing you got in Phantom. Um, yeah. I just saw something the other day that they're closing after 35 years. Yeah, and Dear Evan Hansen is also closing, too. Is so, it? Yeah. So we saw both shows before they went bye-bye. So I'm really, really happy that I managed to get that in. That is awesome. And what are you doing on the fun zone tonight? Uh, man, I haven't even planned yet. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe this show tonight will, uh, this afternoon will inspire me. Absolutely. So um, I do have a, another announcement next week. Leslie Spoon will be joining us to talk about the holiday auction and other fundraising opportunities that are happening in the American Council of the Blind. But um, we need some holiday auction donations. So please reach out to Leslie Spoon and keep your eyes peeled. The Board of Publications will be um, putting out the first member of the mic sometime in the next week or so and this is hispanic heritage month so later on in the month we'll be doing a show devoted to that and um it is also guide dog month so um one of our regulars margie donovan and um becky davidson will be doing a show as well on guide dog advocacy etc so stay tuned for those things um 
Unfortunately, today's show is going to be a little different than usual. Once in a blue of blue moons, we'll have a pre-recorded portion of the show. And today is one of those days. Um, we've had a, a death in the family and, and unfortunately had to scramble at the last minute. So I would like to thank Miss Colby Garrison for her flexibility <laughs> in pre-recording her portion of the show. And if you have any questions for her, you can always use the Sunday edition AC at Gmail email at gmail email i'm a poet um and i can forward those to her or you can take the easier route of course and um email community at acb.org we are starting something else today that i'm really excited about and for you folks over there in clubhouse i do apologize you will be able to ask questions of our first guest frank but um we will not be able to take questions in the second hour so, but like I said, we've got a clubhouse room attached and I am already thinking of some great and maybe crazy ways that we can utilize clubhouse in the near future. So stay tuned for that. Now, <laughs> somebody who I have wanted to talk to for quite some time finally said yes to come on. Well, not finally said yes, but I finally reached out and got a yes from him to come on to the show. I'd like to welcome Frank Welt to the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You know, I always check with names because screen readers, and, and I always make this joke, my screen reader pronounces Socrates as Socrates. So am I pronouncing your last name correctly? The last, the, the uh, E is actually uh, spoken, so it's Welty. It is Welty. Okay. Yes. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Frank, did we lose you? Yes. Oh, no, oh, I'm okay. here. <laughs> All right. So, you know, the way I usually start these interviews is asking my guests to kind of tell us a little bit about themselves, where they're from, where they grew up, and usually, you know, how they made their way to ACB. So tell us a little about yourself, Frank. I am one of the four or five native Californians in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I, I was born in the extreme northern part of California. But I spent most of my young life in California's big Central Valley, and uh, we moved around a bit. And uh, I, we uh, finally ended up, when I was about 12, in the metropolis of Turlock, California. And I ended up going to college there. And uh, so uh, in my mid-20s, when I finished college, I decided I wanted to move to places that actually had real public transportation. So I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, and I've been there ever since for about, I guess it's now about 35 years. I've been in this, in, almost I've been in the uh, the Bay Area. And uh, in just about a year or so before I uh, made the big move, I got involved with a local ACB chapter in Modesto, California, which is near my my hometown. And made friends there and got involved. And I went to my very first ACB convention in Los Angeles in 1987. And that was really a significant experience for me because I was just around all of these blind people. And it was just the energy was there. And going to the exhibit hall was like, wow, there's a department store for us. You know, <laughs> it was just an amazing experience. And then uh, that after and then I was for the next couple of years, I was kind of busy getting my work life together. So. In 1990, I, I went to the Denver convention, and I went to uh, every ACB convention after that right up until 2006, and I've been to a number since then. Um, in 1992, I got back involved in a local chapter in the San Francisco Bay Area of the California Council of the Blind. 
and I've been very active with with CCB ever since. I've been, uh, I think, in about I've been a member of four or five chapters in the area at different times. I've been chapter. I've been, had pretty much every local chapter position that there is, and then I've also been active in the state in a lot of different state committees and several of the state special interest uh, affiliates as well as uh, on on the state board. And at one point I, I did a term as first vice president of, of the California Council of the Blind. In the mid nineties, I, I did a stint as the president of what is now BITS. And I was active in, in that for a while um, when I was working as a computer programmer. But uh, when I moved into other areas of work, I became less active in that group, but I've been active in a lot of other special interest affiliates of uh, ACB over the years. So when you think back to that first convention, and I know you got, because that's where I asked you to do the show, I know you got to experience the high, or at least port, a portion of the hybrid convention this year in Omaha. Yes. How, how you know, how much they have evolved even to the point that we are hybrid and and now we finally get every acb member gets at least the option to use their vote what other what other things in the evolution of convention has surprised you or you know made you smile from within i i think i'm i'm definitely a fan of the virtual and hybrid convention because we do have so many people for whom the economics of uh, attending a convention in person just don't pencil out. Yeah. And I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing that everyone, whether you're a member of ACB or not, whether you have financial means or not, you have the opportunity to get connected with the convention, um, whether you're, you're simply being a passive participant by listening on, on ACB media, or whether you're more actively participating in the Zoom sessions. And as a member, everyone can vote. Uh, one regret I have is that more of our members don't take the opportunity to, to vote at our convention since I, I think that ACB has done a wonderful job of making voting about as easy as possible. Um, I've done both the phone voting and the online voting, and they're both very well put together, very accessible. Um, if you can use a telephone, you can vote. You know, if, if you can do, if you can fill fill out a very simple web form, you can vote. So it's totally accessible. Um, but at the same time, there's no substitute for some of the experiences you have in person. Of course, the tours are are unique. Um, just a lot of the socializing that goes on at convention, whether it's the organized things like parties and receptions and meal functions that you can't do virtually, or just the the spontaneous interactions of, of uh, people you happen to end up sitting with at dinner or people you bump into the hall that you haven't seen in five years or or just you sit next to somebody in a meeting and you get the chatting and, and you make those discoveries and those connections. And that's very organic and very powerful. Uh, and uh, just, I think, especially just the energizing that you experience going to conventional because while at one hand it's conventions are so busy that they're exhausting on the other hand they are so empowering because for a week we go to a place where we become the dominant culture of the area where we are mm -hmm. you know we get surrounded for a week by people who just get blindness without any explanations uh 
we we and and we set the whole the tone for the whole environment you know whether it's the documents that are available in accessible formats the the rooms that are labeled the the uh, availability of volunteers were appropriate to help us get from point a to b a little easier and just the whole experience that that is very liberating very empowering and i think very very motivating to us as blind people Absolutely. And, you know, we've had two highly successful virtual conventions that I, I think really elevated the outreach for ACB and, and folks, you know, around the world came to experience. But I agree with you as well. There, There's there's that magic of being there in person after the two years of, of our virtual community, the call structure, walking through i remember every single time i walked through the sky bridge from the hotel to the convention center i would hear voices and be like oh my god is that so such and such absolutely you yeah. know and being able to put you know a handshake or a hug and and the physicality to the voice and unfortunately you know it is only a week and then you say to yourself okay we want to get a drink we want to go have dinner we want to have breakfast and and there's just, you know, only so much time to go around. But even even the small interactions are soul uplifting and, and nourishing. Yes. Um, you know, we have we have uh, Belinda and, and Lucy Manning manning the clubhouse room for us today. And, and I finally got to have a meal with Belinda. You know, Cindy was there and, and a bunch of other folks. But, you know, we've interacted and we really, and now we finally had to have a, a meal together. And it was just so awesome. What um, what were the highlights for you this year? Um, I'd say the highlights for me were, um, you know, I, I, I missed a lot of, of of sessions during the convention because I was working. I, I was I worked for the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco, so I was working our table in the exhibits, and also I had to leave uh, midway through the, the week to go to another event to do do more of the same. But um, for me, I'd say it was the tours and, and the social activities this time were really the highlights. Um, I I went to the ball game, had a wonderful time. It was lots of fun. Uh, the uh, the welcome parties with the Beatles cover band was a lot of fun, um, and the the bridge walk was fun. Just getting out there in in the good weather and out and out out and about with a lot of people walking on the bridge with my dog, who was very excited to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I do know a lot of folks were disappointed. The zip lining tour was canceled. I had actually scheduled it with Byron. Um, yeah. for another night because we were tied up with JP Morgan stuff. And, and right. unfortunately Byron had a reason that he couldn't go. And someone, you know, very well agreed. To yes. Step in that's and right. Take the and place, then she and then the very go. next day, yeah. was, you know, <laughs> yep. Canceled again. <laughs> By the way, my wife, Vita absolutely loved the zoo. And she was just, she still raves about the zoo. And, you know, who would think this amazing world-class zoo is in Omaha, but there you go. And, I'll just mention one thing about conventions. Sometimes people don't want to go to some of the smaller convention cities. But I learned a long time ago that you get as much out of a convention city as you're willing to put into it. And if you put the effort into getting out of the hotel and, and sampling what's there, that you'll never be disappointed. Yeah. You know, I, I got to be honest. I was one of those folks who, who thought to myself, how much is, you know, how much am I really going to enjoy Omaha? 
And, you know, I, I knew I was going to get a good steak or, or multiple good steaks. Right. And I, right. I really, you know, outside of the hotel, what am I really going to do? But, you know, the mm -hmm. downtown was charming. The people are absolutely wonderful. Yep. And, and there was so much interesting stuff to do that Gabriel and I, you know, had basically decided at some point we'll go back for a couple of days just to experience what we couldn't. One thing being the zoo. <laughs> Yeah, one thing I want to mention about Omaha too is that, that I took the the, the city uh, tour, and I was amazed at how colorful the history of Omaha is. It was rather scandalous in the 19th century, and you right? think Omaha? Oh, but <laughs> oh yeah, it was a wild place. <laughs> so you mentioned your lovely wife, who I yes. absolutely adore, and I adore both of your puppies. Um, you want to give us a little bit about how you guys met and and how um i always ask when when i used to do a, a once every three months a couple show and i think i'm going to bring that back soon um but i always i always ask the couples you know how do they keep the balance you know being on various committees or holding various offices how do they keep that you know organizational versus relationship balance yeah well i'll tell you that we uh we met in Actually, at various times, I think we, we, we crossed paths at an ACB convention in Houston, and I, I, I'm up, I forget what year it was, but basically she was working for the American Foundation for the Blind when she was living in New York, and a and, and basically um, one of her co-workers, who was a member of, of BITS, kind of helped her crash our BITS party, and I was working the door that day, <laughs> and, and that's the first time I met Vita, and then uh, in... Uh, 2000 in in the early 2000s there was a dance class that was for people with disabilities called connecting through dance and i was doing that because i wanted to improve my social skills and then this this woman was among those who was there and at some point one of us got the crazy idea to meet for a bite to eat before the uh before one of our dance classes and got to be a habit and it kind of went from there <laughs> and so we got married in 2007 um and uh, and 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 so uh, that's kind of how we how we met. She had she had moved out to the Bay Area in the early two thousands because she just loved San Francisco and she wanted to make that change in her life. And so she had the courage to uproot herself from the place that she'd lived since she was three and move way across country and start over. And, and so that's how we met. Um, in terms of our activities, we're both very active in different ways in ACB and CCB. And we both have a lot of hats um, in our various assignments. And I think the main thing is just giving each other the, the time and the respect to do what each needs to do and nice. being supportive of that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swerve into another lane now. Um, you've had a pretty interesting career, and I think some folks would love to know about, you know, your path and, and what got you all the way to Lighthouse and what's some of the highs and, and um, you know, fun parts. Forgive me, I, I have a little bit of sure. Swiss cheese brain today because of no everything problem. going on, but, you yeah. know, talk a little bit about career and I'll throw in some questions along the way. Yeah, you know, what's 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 the old saying, life is what happens to you when you're making plan, other plans. Yeah. <laughs> I I. I happened to come along just starting in college right when the computer revolution happened, you know, when PCs and, and Apple IIs and all that were happening. And it was such an exciting time to witness because there was just this, this air of creativity and innovation in the air, you know, and like, you know, we'd be, we'd read the computer magazines and we'd look for the, you know, the, 
computer TV shows about what's new and there's always something new in the air. And in that excitement, I got drawn to computer programming. And one of the reasons I chose it is because when I was in college taking those classes you take for the first couple of years, where it's just like high school, just a little harder, is that I took this computer programming class and I said, hey, this is practical. I could get a job doing this. And so I started studying uh, computer programming. My major was business computer information systems. So I wasn't like the hard, hardcore computer science type, but I was more practical computing for, for business. And I got a degree in that. And after a while, I wasn't finding work in that field. So I went to the Bay Area and took a specialized computer training course for people with disabilities called the Computer Technologies Program. And they had a very good um, pipeline to, in the industry so that shortly thereafter, I began, began working as a computer programmer. And I did that for about uh, 10 or 11 years. And then I uh, moved on. I uh, did a stint doing uh, website accessibility testing. And then I, I met up with a really, really good career counseling, the best one I've ever encountered, who just made me realize that what I really wanted to do was go into uh, nonprofit work. And so I transitioned into working in for blindness agencies, starting out doing like information referral work, um, doing outreach, like pre doing presenting about my organization to the uh, to various uh, senior centers and other other you know lions clubs and other groups. And at some point, I did a stint at the lighthouse. And then at that time, my jobs were part time. And then an opening came up with the California Council of the Blind, where they were looking for a director of advocacy for governmental affairs. And of course, by that time, I'd been with uh, CCB for like, more than 15 years. So I was given the position. And so for two, two years, I did the commute a couple of times from the Bay Area to a two-hour commute to Sacramento to uh, do legislative work for the council. And then a full-time position opened up at the Lighthouse. And we decided that for the family, it was better for me to ditch the, uh, the two-hour commute and work closer to home. And so in 2011, I came to the Lighthouse, starting out kind of doing the kind of information referral work I'd done before. But over the years, I transitioned into working in their media and accessible design laboratory where we'd produce alternate media. So I was doing a lot of like braille transcription and proofreading of the tactile maps and other tactile graphics that, that we produce, doing some accessibility consulting. And I continue doing that to this day. You know, Lake Vita, um, I'm, I'm also form, born and, and raised, well, I, I was born and raised in New York. Uh, I moved to another big city, Miami, and experienced both lighthouses. I, I lost my vision when I, while I was still in New York. And I think a lot of us envy, uh, you know, envy the lighthouse out there. You guys are, you know, exposed to a lot of interesting projects. And I think because of, you know, the expertise that's in that building, you know, you guys get offers of, of partnerships and things that a lot of the rest of us around the country don't get. What is, you know, what is it like to be, you know, the first ask, you know, the first organization that a lot of folks go to because of the reputation? I think that that is something that's special about the San Francisco Lighthouse is that it has a very blind, positive attitude. Um, you know, there, there's some other, we, we have a pretty high percentage of employees, including 
a number in fairly senior positions that are blind. And I think that from what I hear, that's that's different than a lot of other blindness agencies around the country where they where the management decided and they tend to think of serve, of doing things for the blind, where yeah. I think there's less of that separation between us and them in 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 our agency. It's not perfect, none of them are. But I think that overall, the, the Lighthouse does have a very positive outlook on blindness. And I think because of that, I think that encourages a certain level of in innovation and being willing to think outside of the box. I think also the location where we are has something to do with that because for San Francisco Bay Area is a very cosmopolitan area. Um, it's, it's known as a world center of innovation with Silicon Valley being just south of San Francisco. And and for that matter, San Francisco itself has has a long history of of being rather um, cutting edge and bohemian and a lot of things. So I think that there's just a lot of uh, energy. And also because of the, the dynamic nature of the Bay Area economy, I think there's a fair amount of money that's available yes. to to provide support for innovative nonprofit organizations that you might not see in some other areas. So there's a combination. And then we had lightning strike the lighthouse um, several years ago where out of the blue, somebody from Seattle that we'd never heard of dropped a, a bequest of 125 million on us, you know, totally unplanned, you know, but it just, it was, it made a lot of things possible that, that would, not, would not have happened, at least not very quickly. That, that allows us get, has given us an opportunity to do a little more innovation and take a few more risks because we we have a, a unique financial cushion now of course that only will last for so long because you know life goes on and and money gets spent and you have to find other resources for money so and even I, our community has but, to deal with but, inflation <laughs> but but still yeah but yeah. I think so that combination of a lot of serendipitous things that I think have come together to help the lighthouse. And again, the lighthouse isn't perfect. It has room to grow. Um, sometime we might talk about that offline, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think it still is, is an organization that I hope that a lot of people around the country look at for ideas and for inspiration, because I think that um, the direction that the lighthouse has been headed in is a, is a direction that I think I'd like to see a lot more organizations serving the blind community to to follow. I think it's a good way to go. I absolutely agree. And I, I think that the Miami Lighthouse at least could benefit from maybe sending leadership of our lighthouse out to spend a couple of months in San Francisco. I think our lighthouse would benefit from that. Um, but you gave me the perfect segue because I definitely did want to talk to you a little bit about um, the aging into blindness and the older population it seems the bay area and for the reasons you just said is definitely the primary reason but it seems the bay area has a very high level of of our community being technical uh maybe not experts but being you know on the higher scale of technical efficiency etc etc and as great as the lighthouse is, I don't think it's just that. And, and I know that there are several other East Bay Center and, and several other great organizations in the area. But, you know, what else do you think makes the community out there more open to technology and, and more um, 
you know, accepting of this is the way of the future. And, and if we want to stay relevant and we want to be able to, you know, compete with the rest of the world, the, this, these are the things we need to know. Yeah, I think, know. I think that it's a combination of, I think of geography and, and wise planning. Of course, San Francisco is on a bay. So it, it's, it's a natural port. And I think therefore, and I think port cities tend to be places that, where, you know, that, that tend to spawn a lot of, of, uh, of cross-pollination and creativity because you have people from all over converging on those those locations. And I think you know, in the same way that New York is a port city, or uh, you know, I think I think that you know London is a port city. So I think I think that that's 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 one. Of course, we have phenomenal weather. I think you'd have to go a long way to find weather better than in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and then uh, another thing is that I think that there were some very wise decisions made by by people to produce some really world-class universities in San, in the Bay Area with, uh, with uh, the University of California being the flagship of, of the California, University of California system, the, uh, and then the uh, Stanford University probably being the, uh, you know, one of the premier private universities on the West Coast. And, and both those universities have done a lot of investment in the 20th century on 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 science and technology research and and because of that because of 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 that academic prowess i think it caused a lot of of the the innovations in uh in in computing and and uh, other technology fields to uh develop around those focuses of talent and and I think that because of that atmosphere of of, of of creativity, of exploration, that it gave an innovative, forward-looking ethos to the Bay Area. And and I think because and I think then the blind community living there, I think by osmosis gathered that up. I think another thing to keep in mind is that to remember that that. The San Francisco Bay Area was a focal point for both the disability rights movement and before that the blindness rights movement because of course the uh, the founder of the National Federation of the Blind and and also the state organization the California Council of the Blind before that were Bay Area folks who were both very successful academically and I think that they they uh, set a standard for uh, a a an active um, blind community that had high expectations of ourselves and a high motivation to improve conditions. And, and I think that later transferred to the rest of the disability community, you know, where, because the independent living movement in the Bay area. So just, I think a lot of forces in our environment that, that led to a lot of forward, coming from a lot of directions in in your opinion you know and, I, and this is a very blanket question between rural every city is different rural areas you know even just different parts of the country itself but are there what lessons can be learned from the bay area 
and and the the wealth of of knowledge that's there what lessons can be learned around the country too especially local chapters and things that really do want to help bring those of us in the in the community that are lagging especially those that are aging into blindness and and experiencing that kind of technology for the first time are there are there lessons you think we can apply in in our local areas um it's harder in, in rural areas just because access to resources is harder. We, we have a really high quality transportation system that, that lowers a lot of, of barriers to, to, to doing things. When you're in a rural area, it's harder to get from point A to point B. Um, also, I think that we're relatively well resourced in terms of getting services and getting training. But I think there are some principles that we can look at. I think one, one is the uh, the value of education, you know that 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 wherever you are, one thing that you can do to improve your situation is get more education. And I know that there are plenty of folks who've been to college and are still not succeeding, and I get that. And I've been in those places too, so so I know that from firsthand experience as well. But I, I think that education opens up so many doors. So if you're in a place that you don't want to be take a serious look at doing something with education, whether it's going back to school or, or getting an online training course, or even just working with your state's rehabilitation agency to get some technology training or refresh your, your mobility skills or whatever. I, I think the second thing is it, that, that is value is certainly technology makes a huge difference that these the technology that we have now is is so powerful in terms of of uh, of removing barriers for example the fact that now we can pretty much read almost everything these days independently the fact that we now have not only the cane but other tools that can help us in terms of uh, our mobility um, the fact that that you can do job searches online and not have to rely on not have to pound the people. Pavement. Yes. It's not, not so much having to pound the pavement or, or, or read, you know, have somebody read you ads in a newspaper or have somebody find phone numbers in the, in, 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 in the phone book to call you know, that, that there's a lot more access to those kind of things. Are, are you surprised that, you know, and I know that there's dispute on what the true number is, but are you surprised that there's still such a high rate of? I, I'd say so. Um, I mean, one one thing I hate seeing is when people in the community are blamed for that. You know, this this notion that if you would just get off your off the couch, you know, you. Yeah. I, I think that's an oversimplification. Um, sure, we can we can all work a little harder, get up a little earlier, send out a few more resumes, whatever, but. The fact of the matter is that I like to say that when you think of what most people understand about disability, it's about at the level of sophistication that most people understood about race a century ago. And so you think of what most white folks thought about black folks in 1922, right? Worlds, worlds away from where we are now, at least I hope. But I think that in a lot of, in a lot of ways, most of society is about as far evolved in terms of understanding of disability 
as society was a century ago. And yeah. that makes a difference. That makes it harder. And I don't think we should beat ourselves up when we struggle because there are reasons why it's harder, you know? And I, I personally find it depressing when I hear people say, well, you have to work twice as hard to get ha half as much. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's not a motivator for me. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're going to tell me that I'm going to have to work twice as hard to get only half of what everybody else get, my first reaction is, why bother? And unfortunately, why I think bother? a lot of people yeah. are in that place, that they're saying, why bother? And I think it's a little presumptuous to blame folks who sort of have taken that position because it is hard and it shouldn't be that hard. And I think that instead of shaming people, we need to encourage people. Just tell them, yeah, it is hard. I know what it feels like. I get it. But let's keep going. Exactly. Because we can. And one of the things that I, I think we really need to to look at, you know, we have the employment committee here in ACB and, and outreach, et cetera. And, and of course, Clark and Swatha are a great team. I don't think that we do enough to educate, you know, companies and, and the workforce in general out there. You know, a, 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 one of our quote unquote favorite phrases is, you know, a when you hire a blind person, you're getting somebody who's going to stay and who's going to work their butt off because of how much it took to get the job in the first place. And right. all of the, you know, tools that are in our box because we have to navigate life from a, you know, a, a blind perspective that, that adds layers and layers of we're problem solvers. All those, all those conversations, I don't think that we educate enough outside, you know, to the world itself and especially to prospective employers um, you know, the government, <laughs> thankfully, kind of has caught up and, and gets it. But I, I think that's where it stops. You know, we're not we're not tagging corporations and they do their DYE, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion and, 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 you know, their outreaches. But ultimately, you know, one person or, you know, a group of a few people in a company, you know, does not change the work you know the workforce outlook so to speak and and i you know i've always said that if there was a centralized website you know with all of the you know first and foremost all of the governmental perks that come with hiring somebody with a disability and then testimonials and you know employers that have hired and employees who have been working you know for a long period you know a good period of time with with a good success rate you know outreach begats information begats more jobs yes and i i think though that of all of the challenges that we as a blind community and for that matter all disabilities face i think that employment is the toughest one um and and i think part of that is because for employers hiring people is a bit of a risk you know, that that it's it's a, it's an investment, you know, and it's a lot more than the salary, of course. It's, you know, that, that it's a significant investment. And and from the employer's point of view, the reason they hire people is to solve problems for themselves, right? Because they have something that needs to be done and they don't have enough hands to do it, so they get somebody who can do it. So they're looking for people to solve problems. And... If you've got two, three, four people vying for a job and they're all reasonably well qualified, then 
you're looking for the one who's going to do the, to make it easiest for you to solve the problems. And if you perceive somebody as having more issues to deal with in order to get them to where they can solve problems, even if you're not a bigot, right? Yeah. You're still you just going to, to lean the towards those, the, the easier source, the easier yeah. solution, right? And so I think that there's a it's there's I think a lot of things that need to happen to resolve the situation. I mean, one is, of course, a lot of public education. I think uh, we probably need much better systems for uh, providing supports to employers um, for hiring folks, whether it be more generous benefits for um, for covering the cost of accommodations um, and the like. I, I also think that one area that I think needs to be worked on a lot more, especially by our traditional rehabilitation system, is promoting entrepreneurship. Because yeah. probably the hardest part of getting a job is getting the job. And it seems to me that if you could be the person who hires yourself, you know, you don't have to convince your employer what you can do, right? And so I, I think that we need to figure out a system that allows a lot more people to start their own businesses. Um, I think that certainly the uh, the vending program has been successful, but I'd like to see a vending program on steroids that rather than simply saying, okay, if you want to start your own business, you can open up a, a food stand or, or a, a cafeteria. You know, there are a lot of us that would really, if we're going to go into business, we would rather do something than, than running a cafeteria. And so I would like it if, if that program was more robust to where it could give the same kind of support that it provides for entrepreneurs in the food service space, but would give that same level of support to entrepreneurs in other spaces. And especially, I'd like to see these, these programs interface more with private industry to get our people into those spaces and not just into government uh, properties. Yeah. And even consultancy, you know, on yes. taking, especially, you know, one thing I think our community does have a leg up on is, is we have a higher percentage of, of education than a lot yes. of the other dis disability communities out there. Right. But then it, it languishes. You know, it takes so long for some of us to find that job, to find that fit, you know, yeah. and, and if the, if there were consultancy arms to VR or, or vendor programs and things like that, you know, exactly. that's also, you know, even if it's, Hey, take a six month chance, you know, we'll pay all the benefits, so on and so forth. You know, you just give them the chance and pay the chat, you know, and pay their salary, um, that's another way that, you know, we can thrive and show what we can do. So I want to say hello to our folks on Clubhouse and to those that are in the Zoom room. We're going to start taking questions in a few minutes. Um, you know, on the, the technical side of things, your career, do you have any final thoughts? Because I want to get to know you personally for a few minutes before we take questions. But any final thoughts on our conversation so far? I would say that um, I, I consider myself a, a worker bee in in the organized blind movement. Uh, I've, I've, I've had different positions, but my attitude has not been about uh, what position can I strive for, but it's been more like, where can I be useful? And I see some people who sort of turn the whole idea of 
of elected positions in our movement into some kind of a political game where they think, well, if I get this person to endorse me or if I can, if I do this thing, then I can get this position and it's all exciting and I want to play the political game and what kind of alliances. And, and my, my feeling is no, if you want to, to do things that are, are meaningful and satisfying and, and make you feel good about yourself, then the way to do that is just reach out into the community, find where you can be useful and be useful. And then the positions follow that. Yeah. And that's that's been my experience, is that that you know, I haven't had to go around chasing positions, the positions have chased me. <laughs> I I'm I'm sort of experiencing the same thing at, at the moment. And, and I agree with you on that. And I think, you know, my father always told me, and, and our listeners know I'm, I'm blind six years, but my father always told me, if you want the job, do the job, and then you'll get the job. Um, you know, and it's, yeah. that's oversimplified, you know, it's simplified, but basically, you know, get out there and do something and someone's going to notice you. And it may, you know, the first five offers may not be anything you want to do, but it's definitely yeah. ego boosting and encouraging and, and letting you know you're doing something right. Keep doing it. Someone's going to come along or you'll come along to something and then have yes. that experience behind you. Well, hey, you know, it's not the same industry or it's not, you know, this is volunteer, but these skills that I have and, and they're proven can then do this for, you know, whatever it is you're looking for job wise. Yeah, absolutely I, agree. I would just add that being involved in our community is a huge part of that because I'm where I am today because I was out there in the community doing stuff so that I think that I became a known quantity when the, when these opportunities came along, yeah. you know, it wasn't just Frank who, you know, it was they, that they knew that I was an active member in the community. And so when I applied for the job, I think that, I think that, that, um, without my having to sell myself so much, it was that, that I think that I had put myself in a position where I had earned some credibility. And I think that, so for those of you who aren't where you want to be career wise, don't, don't underestimate the value of getting really active in your local chapter of ACB, or if you're not in ACB, if you're in another organization, then that too, you know, and, and engaging with, with other people. And, and also don't forget engaging in organizations outside the blind community. Yes. Yes. I'm a big proponent of, you know, we are a subsector of the world. We're not our own world. Yes. I very much agree with that. So tell us what, you know, you obviously have held a lot of um, great <laughs> places within CC, uh, California Council of the Blind and ACB. And obviously you have a great career, but what does Frank like to do just for Frank? Frank loves playing with dogs. <laughs> we have them around here. Uh, Frank loves reading a lot. Um, Frank loves uh, playing trivia games as people on 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 Friday nights uh, uh, playtime know. Uh, Frank likes going for walks. I love to go for walks, and uh, yeah. And Frank thinks it's fun to talk about Frank in the third person. No, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't overdo that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you're quite the master yeah. at its playtime. It, it, I've learned it's very interesting to be a family with two guide dogs. Yes. How do you guys manage? 
I think that uh, in terms of they 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 work out the pecking order. So, uh, um, of course, uh, Vita has a German Shepherd, and so Trisha, the German Shepherd, has made it very clear that she is the alpha. <laughs> among the dogs. I don't know. We have to ask and Vita then, about that. But no, go ahead. Well, Vita's the alpha, but uh, Trisha is among the dogs. Trisha's the alpha. And and uh, and I won't speculate on where I, I fit in the pecking order in, in, in the pack. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, and it's fun having two dogs, I think, because um, they like to play together. And so it, it becomes, we're, we're basically a pack of four and, and that works pretty well. Yeah. Plus here too. And, and I think it's, it's a beautiful thing that, that they have each other. Yeah. All right. So let's, um, let's say hello to Lucy and clubhouse. How are you today, Lucy? I'm just fine, Anthony. And hi, Frank. <laughs> hi, Clubhouse. Hi, Lucy. Hey. I am so glad you're here. Um, do we have any hands in Clubhouse yet for Frank? Yes, we All do. Right. Jane Sue has her hand up. Hi, so Jane. Come on up on stage, Jane, and speak to us, Jane. All right. You know what? Sheila, do we have any hands in Zoom while we're waiting for Jane? You do. Joel, you may unmute. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. I um, have a question for Frank. Um, I am a testimony to the do the job and get the job. Uh -huh. um, I did 10 years volunteering with a summer camp for blind youth, teaching yeah. them self-advocacy, independent living, such like that. Yeah. Um, and recently got hired on to a blindness organization. Um, and so I'm kind of doing exactly what you described you've been, you did, um, starting with the informational referrals and working my way up. So I was mm -hmm. wondering what advice you have for someone who starting out like that. Just well, any think, random advice. I, I think you kind of answered your own question that, that get out, get involved in the area that you're you're interested in um, one one regret I have when I was in school is that I didn't do things like looking for internships volunteering I was so focused on studying that if I if I had it to do all over again I would have tried to find the time to uh to do more things where I was I was you know getting part-time jobs getting internships things like that and I think you did that and 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 look where you are now so I think that's that's the main thing is figure out ways that you can be involved. So another, I mean, some other things are, for example, if you're interested in a particular field, find out what the professional organizations are in the field and start attending meetings with folks like that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'd say insinuate yourself into the areas where you wanna be and, and be willing to volunteer, willing, be willing to meet people. Um, I know people talk about a lot about networking, which I kind of hate because networking, networking tends to be defined is, is schmoozing, you know, and I don't like that. I think I think the best way to think of networking is find people to help because if you help them, they're going to help you. Good answer. Thank you, Julian. Congratulations. I love Let's, that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Let's try Lucy again. Were we able to get our caller on stage? Okay. We have Lynn Schneider. Lynn, you can unmute. Hi, can you hear me okay? 
we can. Amen. Okay, so I love this conversation and I especially love um, your discussion about networking. And I know people don't like that word, but I think in today's world, um, we have a smaller pie with a lot more people wanting a piece and you have to network. There's just no other way around it. Um, I was fortunate because I did tr medical transcription for, oh my gosh, 25 years or so. And um, I worked at a lot of different places, but the thing that I wanted to ask you about is um, that it, at the end of my transcription career, uh, I really, I guess like the last five years of that career, I really struggled with the technology, <clears throat> um, making it accessible. Um, mm -hmm. My employer would very frequently change software. I was sort of, I felt very out on my own because um, IT didn't know anything and you would call your screen reader manufacturer. They won't help you. And so what eventually happens is that in my case, I was able to make things work, but the technical gymnastics that I had to do to make things work slowed me down. And so my productivity dropped because of yes. Um, and, and I don't think this is discussed enough. I think that we, we, when we're talking about employment, we really kind of put all of the burden on the blind person. And in my case, I didn't want to stop working. I really yes. wanted to work and I was good at what I did. Yes, exactly. But we had these technical issues and they weren't my fault and they weren't my employer's fault. But it didn't seem like there was a solution. And I was constantly chasing my tail in this right. stress level in this was extreme. And I don't think we talk about it enough. And we really have to because it's a big issue. You can you can get the job, but that's only Keeping one tenth of the battle. The technology changes so a often. A it's absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And I exactly. think we need for bringing that up. Yeah. Sure. And I think we have we, we I think we need to have a place where we can can acknowledge that because you get some people who are really hot shots and their attitude is like, well, I'm doing it. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? And well, no, I'm not you. And yeah, because that does happen. I mean, that's part of the reasons I'm not, I didn't continue as a computer programmer was, I mean, there were other reasons too, but also just the, the technology changed and it was harder for me to be um, satisfactorily productive. And yeah, that's an issue. I, I think that that's why it's so important that us as a community, to continue to work hard on accessibility issues like right now we're we're trying to get the justice department to come out with uh, finally come out with solid web accessibility guidelines because we need it our our livelihoods depend on that and we have to get that message out i think uh, i think we need to work continue to to advocate with the producers of hardware and software yeah and 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 be on their case about making their products as accessible as possible out of the box. I mean, it annoys me that after, you know, a quarter century of the web that, that wh why aren't all web development tools by default generating accessible code, right? Yep. You know, that, you know, that, that, that was, for example, whatever, whatever widgets or, or wizards that, that these, these uh, tools use when, when they're helping people set up uh, Forms, for example, why why isn't that wizard smart enough to make sure that the labels on the forms always go with the uh, the form fields, or or that that whenever there's an image that the person is 
annoyingly asked over and over again, what's the alt text for this? What is the alt text for this? <laughs> you know, we, we should basically, it would be nice if the software was such that people had to deliberately break it as opposed to people having to go out of their way the to know how to uh, properly design their products so that they're accessible. That, you know, that shouldn't have to be their job. A lot of that should be built in and we keep, have to keep advocating on that. But I think one other thing right. I just add, add very quickly oh, is that, you know, I think there are times when we come to a place where we say have to say about a field we're working and this isn't working for me anymore, and that it's okay to say, okay, so what's the next turn in my journey? Yes, and not be afraid of that, and not and, see it as a failure, but see it as just a time to change. And I'm going to add to that. I I think we need to not be afraid of trying to find the workarounds and not being too proud to find a workaround you know ingenuity is also a a good um indicator to employers of what you're capable of and and it never goes or rarely goes opposed i think we have time for one more question but frank are you a clubhouse guy could you continue this chat in clubhouse i i'm i'm I have a Clubhouse account, but I've hardly ever used it. But I could, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if I could find it. But. All right, Sheila, I, we have time for one more hand. Byron. Hi. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say, you know, your, your uh, comments about networking are so accurate. Um, a lot of the good things that have happened to me in my life are just from uh, putting myself out there and volunteering and 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 doing some of that work for free. And you might think, oh my gosh, why would I why would I spend my time, my precious time, doing stuff for free? What do I get out of it? Well, you know, I, I helped Anthony with Sunday Edition and Pride Connection and BPI stuff. And thanks to Anthony, I have gotten hooked up with people like Roy Samuelson, and I edit podcasts for him. Um, thanks to my friends uh, Leah and Sage, I found a, a great job in accessibility testing. So uh, sometimes these jobs just sort of fall into your lap out of nowhere because a friend of a friend will be like, hey, do you know anyone who would be good at this? And your friend who you've done things for, and they know you're a hard worker. Oh, yeah, this Byron guy is really good. You should have him do it. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's not even always like direct networking with one job holder. Uh, it's sometimes just who you know that can kind of connect the dots for you. Yes. So, yeah, thank you for talking about networking. I, I know that's sort of a rough subject for some people because it feels like schmoozing, but it's just just getting to know people is good. Yeah, and so often it's presented that way, and and maybe especially for us as blind folks, you know, those those networking cocktail party things, no. <laughs> yeah, it's more work based or volunteer work based, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Frank, I want to thank you so much for spending an hour with us today, and I hope you'll come back in the in the relatively near future so we can continue this portion of the conversation. Good folks, idea. Um, you know, check out the San Francisco Lighthouse page. There's a lot of great information on there and, and some really just cool stuff to peruse through. Frank, again, thank you so much. Um, for those of you who may have joined us after the top of the show, uh, today's format is a little bit different. I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit of a family emergency here. So you're going to hear a pre-recorded interview with Colby Garrison, a great interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. I won't be back at the end of the show. So Byron and Sheila will close it out for me. 
And I will be back next week with Leslie Spoon talking about the auction and uh, a surprise guest that you'll find out about midweek on the ACB list. But it is definitely going to be a great show to tune into. Thank you, everyone, and um, have a wonderful Sunday and week. Thank you, Frank. Bye-bye. The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. I am so very happy to welcome Colby Garrison back to Sunday edition. Folks will remember that she was on early on after she uh, took the, accepted the membership services assistant position. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're called now, by the way. I, same thing. Thank you for having me, first of all, but still membership services administrative assistant. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. And so we were chatting um, before we started the recording. It's been about 17 months now. Yes. 17 months since I started. A virtual convention, a hybrid convention that you (laughs) ran around like crazy at. A lot of of amazing things have happened over the last 17 months. So, you know, when you, when you think about it, does it feel like 17 months? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Um, In some ways, it's gone very fast. And then, you know, you have uh, days where it it feels like it's going by very slowly. But that is just that would be with anything in life. So um, I'm I'm so honored and so blessed to get to do what I do um, with ACB and with the ACB community. And it is something that I do not take for granted and do not take lightly. Awesome. You know, um, I, I, knowing our organization, this question, I'm going to ask it this way. Has the learning curve ended? Do you feel like you're in, in, or are you still learning something new every day? The learning curve never ends. Um, and I don't <laughs> think it should end. I think that's one of the parts that's exciting about working for ACB is that you're always learning something new. And um, I feel like I've certainly become more immersed in the organization as a whole, um, which is something I love. But I, I also, I truly do love that I learn something new every day, be it about the organization or an aspect of the organization or um, a person within the organization or just anything ACB related. Um, there's, there's always something new. And, and I, I like that same philosophy um, for life as well. I, I never want to stop learning. Awesome. What were some of the expectations you had while you were going through the application interview process and maybe, you know, during your first couple of weeks? Um, I honestly, I don't think I knew quite what to expect. Um, I knew going in that it was a new position that had been created and I just wanted to do the best I could. Um, that was, 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 and still is my goal is to just be the best that I can be, um, in being an asset to ACB in whatever capacity I am asked to do so. And, um, to just 
always continue striving to be better and uh, to better myself and to learn and to keep growing. Nice. And, you know, you're outward facing, so you have a lot of member engagement. What are some of the surprising things that that have come across, you know, your proverbial desk? Oh, um, I don't know that there's anything in particular that I can think of. I think the thing that strikes me the most, it struck me early on about ACB, and it continues to do so, is how everyone in the organization and and just in general there's no judgment there's no um you know we you are met where you are you are accepted where you are you are supported where you are and are encouraged to strive and to grow and to just do whatever you can to become a better you and in talking with people as I get to do every day, and that is one of the parts of my job that I am getting to interact and engage with people and nations and just everybody. Um, but one of the, the things that I find most just exciting and, and humbling is that, um, you know, you are met where you are. And if there's something that you're having difficulty with, um, I have never felt judged because of that. And I hope that um, as, you know, in my interactions with people, I never make them feel judged because of that, whether we are talking about um, an area that they would like to improve in, or, you know, if I am admitting an area that or something that I might need help with um, to, you know, my boss, Cindy, or um, just in general, in, in a community event, um, I want always want people to feel that our community events are safe, respectful, and welcoming, and that it they are a safe space to come as you are and be accepted as you are. You know, one question that um, one of our mutual friends asked me to ask was, we, you know, we provide the service through the community email when folks are on a call and, and they hear something from someone or an idea uh, or they hear about a product or, or a, a, another group or something that we can write in. How, how much of, the, of your day is connecting people? And, and do, you get, do you get a little sense of joy when, you know, a couple of weeks later you're on a call and, and you hear these two folks and now they're friends? How many friendships have been built you know, through the community call structure. Oh my goodness. So that, so you you cut out uh, for me uh, there. So I maybe repeat the question. Sure. Um, I, I was saying, you know, we have the, the ability to, through the community email to connect with folks that we, you know, we might not have known with whether we hear them and they mentioned a product or a group or a book, you know, and then, of course, we then email you and Cindy and, and get connected. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, we're hearing about these friends that, you know, we're encountering them on other calls and they're like fast friends. That's got to be an amazing feeling. It is. Every time I facilitate a, a connection in that way, um, whether it be something that, you know, somebody wants information on, a like you said, a product, a service, or just to connect with another individual, um, it's it's so cool to see how all of that 
you know, the ripple effect just becomes larger and larger and larger. Um, and I, I love being able to facilitate those connections. And I know, you know, for me personally, I have people that I would not have otherwise met, um, you know, had I not become involved with ACB. You know, there's uh, on Sunday edition uh, over the last few weeks, there's been a few times where the topic of community versus the community call community has come up. Do you think that there are things we can do to integrate a feeling of full on community and it's not just calls? I think community is what you make it. I know that the ACB community events, I mean, that, you know, those have just grown organically. And um, I I think there are always ways that um, to improve and to uh, build upon that. And that, of course, would be dependent on uh, feedback um, you know, from people who would like to provide it. Cindy and I are always happy to listen and hear people's thoughts and people's feedback. Um, but I, I think the ACB community events are just going to, you know, they've shown no signs of slowing down. We have an average of 100 events per week. And we are nearing our 10,000th event. Um, I think it will be held within within the next week and a half. Uh, we will hit that 10,000th that event. Um, and we are expanding. We've expanded to provide events on Clubhouse as well. So bringing Zoom and Clubhouse together. Um, we've been doing that for over almost a year exactly with Zoom and Clubhouse on our ACB Presents, the daily schedule call that occurs every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time, where we go over the daily schedule and are expanding those offerings with select community events um, in Zoom and Clubhouse. And that is bringing in way more engagement and making it available to, um, you know, everybody. So that's just... That's exactly, you know, what we, we want to do. And um, it's, it's so, so incredible to, to watch that unfold. Um, but I think as far as your question of creating, you know, more community, um, there's always room for people's feedback. And uh, I assure you that Cindy and I do listen whenever someone provides feedback to us. So I, I had plans on asking about Clubhouse. And thank you for giving me the perfect segue. Can you give a brief explanation to folks out there who are not familiar with Clubhouse um, on how it works and, and how the reach is reaching so many people that have never heard of ACB before? Sure. So Clubhouse is an audio-based social media platform. It is available on Windows iOS or Mac. Um, I primarily personally use it on my iPhone and I don't know if it's available on Android. I'm, it might be, I think it is. Um, but it is, it's an audio based. So you have clubs that you can join and those clubs are all interest-based. And I mean, there are just an infinite amount of 
just possibilities. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we, yeah, we have, if there's any sort of interest, you can probably find it on Clubhouse. Um, we have an ACB club and we have, um, we had started with two events. So we have ACB presents the daily schedule, which is every morning. And then uh, backstage karaoke, which is every Saturday night when we have karaoke. And think of that as kind of like you're you're hanging out in the restaurant, in the bar with everybody while karaoke is going on. So there's a lot more kind of chatter. You can, you know, talk while the performers are performing, but you're still able to hear the performers who are performing. Um, and then if you're in Zoom, um, you know, you are obviously muted. And uh, even in Clubhouse, you can, you know, provide your woohoo and your feedback when uh, they unmute. And uh, we have wonderful <laughs> yeah. volunteers who provide the facilitation of that broadcasting through uh, Clubhouse and making that possible for Zoom and Clubhouse to be connected. Um, but the reach from Clubhouse, I know um, we have gained new, so many new members and new people, new participants in the ACB community um, from doing that. And it's really cool to see that even growing even now um, just for, you know, because we're having more events in Clubhouse. I know we had an event yesterday that we uh, simulcasted and, you know, there were 34 participants in that event. And so um, that's just really cool to see those numbers uh, trending upward and to see more people finding us through Clubhouse. Yeah. And so folks out there, when, when you put on a club event, it goes out to, uh, you know, folks will indicate when they sign up for Clubhouse what they're interested in. And then based upon their usage, Clubhouse then suggests things. So, you know, people can be scrolling through and let's say, you know, they're interested in karaoke and it's Saturday. It's going to pop up in there. I don't know if they call it feed or their suggestions, but, you know, it's going to pop up. The hallway, I think. is The the hallway, that's right. Yeah. I had to think about it. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself now that, you know, we're expanding the, the access to, to other community events, you know, especially for special interest affiliates and maybe even the state affiliates, you know, some of those events would then attract other folks in, in that area of interest or locality. Absolutely. I think there's a huge potential for state affiliates and special interest affiliates, as you said, to grow their membership because people are finding out about, you know, ACB through Clubhouse. So there is a huge potential for state and special interest affiliates to, you know, hold a community event um, on the facilitators form where you submit your event details. You can request if you would, you know, specify if you would like to have your event broadcast into Clubhouse as well. And then um, those decisions, you know, are are made dependent upon the voluntary, you know, resources that we have available because all of the simulcasting into Clubhouse and Zoom is done by volunteers. And we have an amazing, amazing team of volunteers who are uh, doing that and who are also learning to do that. I know there are some people who have, who are doing training for that. Um, And so just thank you to all of you and for any state or special interest affiliate, uh, please, you know, if you'd like to hold an event, 
um, you can send an email to community at acb.org. Let us know and I will send you any pertinent information that is needed for you to be able to fill out that form and have an event in Clubhouse and Zoom. And for you know those out there who might be saying to themselves, okay, I, I'm, I'm not ready to learn something new. If you're facilitating an event, it's all done behind the scenes. You guys are taking yes. care of all of that for us. All, all us as facilitators have to do is run our call. Exactly. We have a host from the community and there's somebody taking care of the clubhouse, clubhouse side of things as well. Yes, there is no additional work that is required of you as a facilitator. All of that is taken care of by um, behind the scenes and by our wonderful volunteers. You came into, into all this at, at a point in time when structure was really starting to solidify. You know, it, it was it's it's a learning curve. It's it continues to be a learning curve. Things are changing whenever I needs are identified or or a better way or a more uh, efficient way of doing something is identified. But you came in early on that process. Do you, do you think we're, we're close to having it right? Do you feel, is, is the work easier now than it was when you first got here? I think I would never say, you know, it, it, is perfect. I think there is always, always room for improvement. Um, but the process has definitely uh, gotten better. At the same time, I definitely want to emphasize, you know, it like you said, everything is changing based upon needs that arise um, or anything that, you know, something, uh, scenarios that, that arise. And that is true for community events. Our process is always evolving. And whenever we do make a change, I, I want to emphasize that those changes are not made lightly. And there is a lot going on behind the scenes that goes into any change that we might make. We have the Community Support Committee, which is comprised of ACB community participants, hosts, ACB community facilitators, um, myself and Cindy Hollis as staff. And that is, you know, another place that you can provide feedback if you would like to. Um, they are there to listen and hear your concerns and your feedback. And like I said, we always welcome feedback. If you don't submit feedback to us, we may never know that you are feeling the way you are. And, you know, there have been changes that have come out of people's feedback that have made our process easier. Um, but I just, I, I, it's always evolving. And, you know, that's part of the fun sometimes. Um, and it's also, it's necessary. Um, and it's, I think it's necessary for growth and to just continue to strive and to, to learn and be better. And that's what, you know, I want to do as an ACB staff member and want to do all that I can to assist in that process. Um, so when, when change does happen, um, please know that it is not something that we go into lightly and it is something that we, we take very seriously. And before we introduce a change, you know, there is a lot of deliberation that has gone into um, 
you know, making whatever changes we make. Yeah, and with the the quarterly check-ins and the facilitator calls, and you know, there's there's a wealth of of availability for feedback and for yes. conversation to bounce, you know, ideas and processes back and forth. Um, what what can somebody who wants to be involved, whether it be hosting or playing the clubhouse role? Where do they start? I'd be, you know, remiss if I didn't make you (laughs) put this information out today. (laughs) Sure. So it's really easy. If you would like to get involved in any way, you can send an email to community at acb.org. Let us know what you would like to do and how you'd like to become involved. And we will take it from there and get you the pertinent information. So let's shift focus a little bit. We're going to we're going to stay on the job a little bit longer, but we're going to take it from a more personal perspective. What is what has been some of the highlights for you? Um the biggest highlight I can think of is just the people. Um the people that I've met, I the people of ACB are what just what keeps me going. Um and the organization as a whole is just what keeps me going. And I, that's kind of my, my number one um, aspect that I love about my job would just be um, the people and, you know, hearing from them, interacting with them on a daily basis, almost daily basis. um, It's just, that's, that's one of the things that I love. Um, The other aspect that I can think of immediately is just, how we get to help people through the ACB community events, how, you know, somebody may find us and they will come to a peer support event and they're helped by that. Or um, I may get a phone call and answer that phone call and be able to, you know, I'm looking for resources in my area and help somebody by telling them about community events and, just letting them know, you know, here's what we have, here's what's out here, here's what's available to you. Is it something you would be interested in? And they had no idea. And then, you know, the next day or the next week, you see them in a community event based on, you know, that information that I shared with them or their email will come in and they'll say, I want to get signed up to receive the daily schedule of community events. Or, you know, Thank you so much for recording on the phone system each week so that I can, you know, I can participate. And so that makes it all worth it. You know, sidebar converse, uh, uh, commentary. I, I was on a, a conversation with somebody recently and based, the comment was basically something to the effect of, oh my God, one of these days I want to be on a call where I don't hear, am I unmuted? Am I unmuted? <laughs> and you know, I thought for a couple of seconds while they were still talking and, and my response was, you know what? I actually hope I don't end up with a lot of calls successful, successful, successing that that doesn't, that that doesn't happen because that means we're bringing new people in. We're bringing people yes. in that are trying something that they were scared to try or they didn't know was out there. So, you know, when, whenever we hear those new people, am I unmuted? Can you hear me? You know, to me, that's a sign of 
we got someone. <laughs> I love it when somebody says, you know, am I unmuted? It's my first time. And we, we had that this morning on ACB Presents, and it was somebody who was on the phone. And I just, every time that happens, I get excited because it means that somebody else has found the ACB community and has found this just infinite network of people to connect with and to engage with and to you know learn about ACB through um but you know you you don't have to be a member of ACB to participate in the ACB community um I love it when people become ACB members after participating in the ACB community um but you know, as Cindy always says, we don't check ID at the door and we just would love to have you. There is limitless room at the table. And so just come on in and join the fun. <laughs> so forgive me, I did not do my homework and go back and listen to and for folks out there, Colby's initial episode was probably about 16 months ago, you can go to ACB media, click on uh, org, click on podcast, click on Sunday edition and just page back a few. Um, and you can hear that initial episode. I know I probably asked you this then but before starting the position, had you ever been to an ACB convention? I had actually. I went to the convention in person in 2006 in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, that was my first kind of introduction to, you know, and, and time like being at a national convention. But. Colby, did I lose you? Oh, are you back? I'm back. I, I, you disappeared or. I don't know what happened. Okay, I will have to do a little bit of editing. So let's go. <laughs> let's go back to um, 2006 was your first convention. Yes, 2006 was my first in-person, uh, well, first ACB convention in person. Um, and I remember, you know, I was in high school at the time and loved just the exhibit hall and getting to walk with a guide dog for the first highlights from that convention. So then you came on board and it wasn't long until you were thrown into a virtual convention. What are, what are some of your memories of getting ready for that and, and experiencing that? My highlight from the virtual convention in 2021 was getting to do the community hospitality room. Mm. And I remember when Cindy posed the idea to me, I was very, very nervous. Um, and it was honestly, it stretched me, it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And it was one of the best things that happened to me you know, when, when I just for that, that kind of first year, um, because it, I got to, it proved to me that I could handle something like that. And I met so many people and got to engage with so many people over those, you know, five hour, four hour, five hour blocks of time um, throughout convention, but just getting to help, you know, bring information to people and to you know, give them the information they were looking for and to be you know that cheery happy you know, 
this is you get what you get this is just kind of who, who I am as Colby um but that was a highlight for me from that convention and uh I had attended the virtual convention in July of 2020 um and was just so impressed with how everything was done you know for that and I I, I know now that you know that was put together in a very short amount of time um, because of the pandemic. And it was done so well and has just continued to improve ever since. And, you know, fast forward a year, look at how how many more offerings and how expanded it became. Live karaoke, um, the community room as a hybrid. Um, (laughs) Tell us about preparing for and experiencing hybrid. Hybrid was a whole new beast, a whole new um, element, a whole new, it was just a whole new thing. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that it was as seamless as possible for the attendees. And there was so much work that went into making that happen behind the scenes from every ACB staff member and countless volunteers um, in the community and in ACB as a whole. Um, And just, it was, you know, we, we, there were moments when you you held your breath. There were moments when you were running around trying to make something work. There were moments of just sheer elation when, you know, it went off without a hitch. There were moments when, you know, it something happened and you could not have planned for it and you had to drop back and punt. Um, but it was, I, I just, I convention for me this you know this past year it was amazing um it was so great to get to hug people that i had not met in person yet um and to just experience a convention you know from the perspective of a staff member but also from my perspective as an adult this time um and you know mm. having to make sure that i was I, you know, I, I handled everything that I needed to be able to handle. Um, you know, there were definitely some curveballs um, that, you know, were thrown my way. And I just, you don't know how strong you can be until you have to be. And so there were definitely moments of that for me during convention. Um, and just it, it, it was so impactful and is you know just something that has changed my life and I'm so excited for the convention in Schaumburg next year. So let's talk about Cindy for a minute. Um I you know she has unofficial daughters that I think she counts you as one of and and <laughs> I think many many of us count her as you know, an aunt, a friend, uh, you know, a best friend, or she wears a lot of different hats, a lot of different roles. Talk to us a little bit about working with her and, and how, you know, you've grown being, you know, her right hand lady. 
I definitely have grown being Cindy's right hand, right hand lady. And um, it is, it's such an honor and a privilege and a blessing. And, you know, there are those people that come into your life and you learn through the kind of over time working with them that they are going to have an everlasting impact. And Cindy is that for me. She is one of those very special people who, um, you know, is constantly stretching me and making me grow and helping me strive to be better and do better in, you know, personally and professionally. Um, And I, I cannot uh, overstate or really probably couldn't really articulate her impact um, in my life. We had not met in person until the 2022 convention. So, you know, we had been working together for, you know, almost 15 months at that point um, and had not met in person. And it was, <laughs> I kept saying to her, you're real, you're real, you're real. <laughs> you're not yeah. just in the box. You know, because I mean, you know, we we talk every day. We're on the phone constantly, or the computer, or you know, what have you. So we have a very good working relationship. Um, But I think that meeting in person just strengthened our personal relationship, and it just it was it was so impactful. Um, I was you know, I got there and I, I called her and I said, okay, I'm at the hotel. You know, how can I, like, how do I find you? And she was like, I'm in a meeting, you know, I'll call you when I'm out. And so I I was kind of just waiting for her call. And I had stepped out of my hotel room. I was going to take my dog out and walk down the hall and I could hear other people talking, other voices I recognized. And so I went running down the hallway, you know, squealing at the people that I, I could recognize. Cause I was like, I want hugs. I'm a hugger. And uh, so I was, <laughs> yes, ready for, I was ready for all the hugs. And um, I was, I was, you know, standing, running down the hallway and uh, literally from behind me, I heard, you know, this voice yelled, Colby. And I turned around and it was Cindy. And I just squealed. We both squealed and we both ran towards each other and we hugged and we cried and we squealed more. And it was, it was so, it was amazing to just, you know, get to meet her in person. And then um, she was just, just so just learning from her all week, watching her just, you know, be who Cindy is. It made me realize how similar we are. Um, You know, we're both just very outgoing, very bubbly, effervescent. Like I just, that's just who we are. And so realizing how similar, you know, we are in person was so much fun. And I, I'm just, I'm so blessed to be able to call her, you know, yes, she's my boss and I work for her, but most importantly, she is a friend and a lifelong friend who has had and will continue to have um, an everlasting impact for me. So is there anything you can share with Sunday edition listeners um, that we might, that might surprise us about Cindy that we might not know through the community? Oh, um, I think people may not realize how just 
hard Cindy works. Um, she is fully invested in ACB and, you know, she created the ACB community. So she is the one, you know, responsible for starting it. And it has just ballooned and grown and with the help of so many people. Um, but I, I, I would want people to know um, Cindy is just what you see is what you get. Um, there are never, you know, any ulterior motives. Um, she is just, she is amazing. She is incredible. She is just one of those people that um, leaves an everlasting impact and is just so much fun um, and yeah. just has, you know, such a, a heart for just helping people and building community. And it, she's such an asset to ACB. I will definitely attest to all that. And, and you know, I can second on the work thing. When I was an intern, I remember waking up to emails that were sent at three o'clock in the morning and I'm on, you know, the morning, the Monday morning call. And it's seven o'clock in the morning. It's, I, I, I remember thinking to myself multiple times, does she sleep? <laughs> you know we we sleep when we can um and that's another thing I think you know I want people to also realize community never stops so you know there's constantly information coming in information going out and we do our best to handle all of that um in you know in a timely manner and you know sometimes it's overwhelming but the people are what keep us going and just the knowing the impact that we are having on on people's lives is what you know keeps us going and it it makes all of the you know the long hours or um just everything worth it um but yeah we (laughs) we sleep when we when we can um but there is it's you know community is almost 24 7 I would say yeah so you sort of had a predecessor um there was an intern for for a period of time who also did a lot of of good work and and helped with processes and is still doing a lot of good work is there anything you want to tell us about Belinda um, but Belinda is, you know, just, she's like Cindy, um, very hardworking and, um, invested in, in the community. Well, you guys also have something else in common. Um, she is becoming quite the karaoke star and you have such a gorgeous voice. And we didn't know that until you were in the role for a while. Um, And I remember at one point, um, you know, the auction item, of course. But when I when I first heard you, I was like, oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) So my first question is, how come you don't do karaoke more often? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, well, to that, I will say I, I participate when I can, um, but I am engaged to be married and I enjoy spending time with my fiance on the weekends. And um, I'm involved in the praise band at our church. So I, I sing there um, almost every week, um, if not more than, you know, more than once a week um, now. And uh, we he and I perform together. Um, he is a very talented multi-instrumentalist. Um, so we we are often performing on the weekends, um, but I, I make it to karaoke when I can. And I always enjoy, you know, participating. Is there a favorite song of Belinda's that she's performed? Oh, um... You know what? And of Cindy, too, actually. <laughs> And I've sent, oh, I would have to go back and like think on, you know, those ones that I have heard. Um, I enjoyed uh, Belinda's version of uh, The River. Um, yes, Garth. The, the Garth Brooks. Yeah. Enjoyed that. Um, and then always, I always enjoy hearing Cindy when she tries something new. Um, or gets excited about a new artist that that always makes me smile yeah I remember early on in in the karaoke world I had performed something and I got an email from Cindy the next day what is that song who sang that I need to learn that (laughs) (laughs) she hasn't yet done it on karaoke actually I think I'm gonna have to rip her about that the next time we're on a call together but um I I would imagine you know when when she gets excited it's it's fun to be around (laughs) oh yeah we are very similar we when we're excited you know it um and I love that about her because I don't have to hold back or try to contain myself um you know when I'm excited about something I can squeal and squeak and you know just be as excited as I want to be and and you know she she is the same way and uh, it's great to just have that rapport that I have with her and to be so similar. So Gabe and I coined um, squeeze laughter squeeze aster um, because we feel like Cindy has it's a three prong it's a squeal a wheeze and laughter all <laughs> at one time. And it's awesome. <laughs> all right. So let's talk a little bit about Colby personally. Um, and you mentioned him. So I will ask you, do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about you and your fiance? Sure. So um, my fiance is David and we met, um, oh, probably about 15 months ago um and now we just celebrated um our one year anniversary of you know being together um and met through a friend um that I grew up in church with and uh he just has completely changed my life and I am am so blessed and uh so excited to start our life together um we are we have a lot of interests in common, but we are also very opposite. So he is very quiet and I am not. <laughs> um, and he is, you know, very um, kind of reserved. And I often will, I'm like, you're, you're quiet. Are you okay? And he's like, you know, I'm fine. And I'm just like, all right. So I'm learning that, you know, 
quiet is okay. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, <laughs> something's wrong. It's just who he is. And, um, but you know, he is, he is, he is very, he's kind of the opposite in some, in a lot of ways. Um, so we complement each other very, very well. Um, music was a big part of our connection. Mm. He can play anything with strings except for piano. Um, but so, you know, we, we share a love for bluegrass music um, and then country and Christian are probably my other like genres that I listen to and enjoy performing the most. Um, but uh, he, he was, was worth the wait. Um, you know, I, I didn't date um, really, you know, growing up. And uh, so a, a lot of firsts, you know, happened um, with him oh. for me. And uh, he has just been, you know, wonderful. His family is wonderful. They have never, he nor them have never questioned, you know, my my blindness or how that's going to affect anything. And that was so refreshing. Um, that was, yeah. you know, always a worry, um, you know, with the, the very few kind of short-term relationships that I, I had was, you know, how, not only how will the person respond to me, but, you know, what, what about their family, if it ever progressed to that point? Um, and so right. it's something I'm, I'm very, very grateful for. Can you tell us about the proposal? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had no idea. Um, we had gone and, and I had picked out a ring. Um, I told him, you know, when, when he really started asking me about about it I was like well if you're really serious about this you know I'd like to go and and look because I don't know what I want I can't look at pictures and so we did and um I wanted just something very simple and small um because I am very small in stature um so very petite very yes tiny. yes you are <laughs> um, you're a little pixie yes <laughs> And so I, I, you know, I, I, we kind of figured out what I wanted and then, you know, that was kind of the end of it. Um, I didn't really, wasn't really thinking anything else about it. And uh, it was a random Saturday night in January and we were, you know, just hanging out at his house and his parents were there and we sat down on the couch after dinner as we typically do. And, you know, we're going to just play and sing and practice and just enjoy music together. And he started playing a song that he had sent me a, probably a month or so previous that he did not know that I liked and had always, you know, wanted um, to, to kind of be that example in the song for someone. And so he started playing that song and I was like, oh my gosh, you learned it. <laughs> um, and so it was, you know, just excited. And, and I knew his mom was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to cry in front of her. And um, then he completely threw me for a loop um, and proposed right after playing and singing that song. And uh, I was, I think my first words were, are you serious? Are you sure? And um, of course I said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very special. Um, you know, he, he, he made it uh, very, very special. And um, yeah, that was uh, back in January and, 
Uh, we're getting married next June. Well, I'm going to take the Sunday edition pulpit to to say from all of us at ACP, we're very, very happy for you. And you deserve a lifetime of happiness, love and music. <laughs> yes, got to have music. Absolutely. But inquiring minds would want to know when you and I'm sure obviously it was over the phone when you told Cindy you were engaged. If you had to guesstimate, how long do you think the uh, squill after was? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty long. Um, she was very excited, um, and you know she she said, "I knew it! I knew it was going to happen." Um, so I was it's. It's just, it's so cool to, you know, have, like I said, she's my boss, but, you know, she's also a mentor for me personally. And I know if I have a question about something or if I don't know how to do something, um, you know, be it professionally or personally, I can go to her and say, okay, do you have any strategies for X, Y, Z? I will say she actually explained um, cutting up meat better than anyone that I have ever encountered or any <laughs> anybody that has tried to show me. So her verbal explanation, like that is how I cut up meat now. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. So she, um, you know, she's a great teacher as well. You know, we just came up, at least for the last couple of months, she's changed her nickname um, for karaoke each week. So I, I think we need meat cutter this week. <laughs> <laughs> so how about River and David? So a River um, was my guide dog. She unfortunately uh, retired oh, right that's after. That's right. I'm sorry. Period. Period. <laughs> right after convention. Um, so I am in the process and, uh, waiting, waiting for that next dog, but River did have to approve, um, had to approve of David. And, you know, I, I, I looked for that stamp of approve, approval from her, um, you know, to, to kind of as, as a guideline, like, all right, you know, if River approves, you know, then I, I think we, we might be okay. Are you keeping River? She is with my sister. Um, so she awesome. is, yeah, she's still in the family. Um, her, my sister and her fiance uh, are, they have her and uh, she's living life and loving it as, you know, a, a very spoiled pet. So I'm, awesome. I'm very grateful. Awesome. What's your favorite river memory? Ooh, favorite river memory. Um, think. I think it would, it would have to be probably um, a family vacation that I took not too long after I had started um, with ACB. It was probably, probably about five months. And so I had not had River for a year at that point yet. And we went to the lake. And she loves to swim. And so just seeing her get to just be a dog and run around and just that unbridled golden retriever-ness um, was... The zoomies. Yeah, yeah. It just was amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, 
my family, you know, they, they watched her, they made sure, you know, she never like got too far. She saw some kids swimming further away at one point, wanted to go visit them. And I was like, no, you need to come back. (laughs) We can't, we can't do that. Um, But just, you know, being in kind of that environment where, you know, she, she got to just run around and have so much fun um, is one of the things I'll always remember. So you just did an awesome podcast, uh, an awesome call that I'm sure is going to be podcasted. And I definitely want to tell folks, um, I, I was blessed enough to be the streamer on that, but um, tell folks that it was such a great podcast and, and we're coming close to the end of our time. So we're not going to be able to get into all of the questions and answers and things that went on during it, but talk to us about your NASCAR adventure. <laughs> So I am an avid NASCAR fan. Um, And when I say avid, I mean avid. I was contacted earlier this year by NASCAR, um, by an associate producer, and asked if NASCAR could do a story on me and how I take in and consume, you know, one of my favorite sports. And I said yes and had the privilege and honor of um, doing a four-part video series that is on NASCAR's YouTube channel. If you search for Vivid and my name, Colby Garrison, you'll find all four episodes. Um, But it went through, you know, how I take in the races at home each week. And then I got to go to the racetrack and ride in a race car and um, experience just everything about being at the track. And also went to a race shop and got to participate in pit crew practice with a pit crew and learn so much from a hands-on and experiential perspective about the sport that I follow and I love. And it was so enlightening, so special because of everyone who took time and who saw me as Colby first and saw past the the blindness and the disability to, you know, who I am as a person and how I love the sport, just like anyone else, even though I take it in from a different perspective and fun because of everything that I got to experience just during um, the weekend at the racetrack. And, and what I love is you, you say you had no fear. You, nope. you let yourself live in the moment and, and experience every moment of it where fear would have, would have held you back a little bit. Yeah, it, it could have. No, I, I did not have, uh, I didn't have any fear. And I, you know, it's funny you say that I should probably apply that to um, life kind of in general, in, <laughs> in some respects. Um, I'm definitely an overthinker in uh, and I, I want to, you know, just do the best I can all the time. So sometimes I think that, you know, can be tricky to navigate and uh, negotiate, but it was, it was, it was incredible. Um, just getting to fully understand the terminology and the concepts that I've heard about for years from that hands-on and again, experiential perspective um, just made everything so much more real and enriched and detailed and, you know, to use the term vivid, um, vivid for me. You know, I, um, I didn't realize that we could experience as much as we can in NASCAR, um, I, I implore anybody out there listening, if, if you have even an inkling of interest 
go to YouTube and check out the podcast. But from your perspective, somebody who's thought that they couldn't enjoy NASCAR, how would they go about, you know, getting getting in the know and, and experiencing it in a good way? Are there any tips you can give us? Absolutely. Listen on the radio. Listen to the races on the radio and just start trying to understand the sport um, that way because it is a non-visual perspective and they tell you everything that's happening. If you go to the racetrack, keep an open mind and just take in everything that's going on. There's so many sounds and scents and textures and the atmosphere, the energy. It There's nothing like it. And it will, for me at least, it only left me wanting more. And um, it's there's so much more than just cars turning left. Um, but I would say, you know, start listening on the radio. And then if you go to the racetrack, Make sure you get a scanner so that you can listen to the radio at the racetrack while the race is going on. And then, of course, you also have access to the in-car audio for the drivers. And so that adds a whole new dimension to the perspective as well. Wow. So I I have to ask this because you emanate such sweetness and and you know i think a lot of us think you you emanate a really nice sense of balance do you ever get really mad and do you ever yell (laughs) um i'm not a yeller i'm not um (laughs) i i get very probably very quiet um when i am like really upset um or angry it's 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 probably probably more of this just very quiet so no i'm i am not a yeller um when i am angry i am a squealer when i am excited um and you know my my attitude is is very positive my outlook is is always very positive um not to say that you know i don't experience you know those valleys as well in life um just as everybody does, but I, I just, I've always been just very positive and uh, just very outgoing. And, and I, I, that's just who I am <laughs> um, as Clark Rockfall, our wonderful uh, director of advocacy and governmental affairs says, um, because he asked me very early on, he said, Colby, do you drink coffee? And I said, no. <laughs> he said, you're naturally caffeinated. And I said, yep, that's it. Yes, you are definitely now naturally caffeinated. And David, if you're listening, if she ever goes really, really quiet, you better call the florist. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today and give you the opportunity. What do you want to say to the community at large? You know, 17 months in, two conventions in, all the work that you've put in, all the people that you've connected. What's your message back to all of us? My message is thank you. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for embracing me. Thank you for letting me get to do what I do. And I, I hope that... I am able to just, I, I love the people of ACB and um, it, it, they are so special and just the 
impact that I know community has had is invaluable on so many lives. And I am so grateful and blessed to be a part of that. And final question for Leslie Spoon, and I'm earning points here. Will you be donating a song package to the auction again this year? I'm sure I probably will. <laughs> You'll get <laughs> well, to probably pick a Christmas song. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. And everybody else, I'll be back with another great Sunday edition next week. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays. And you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.